representing the good people of the Draplin Design Company, and you're listening to the Master of One podcast. Come to ddcbook.com, draplin.com, fieldnotesbrad.com. Okay, go. Welcome to this Sandbox episode of the Master of One podcast, part two for this week. This week we talked to veteran printer and CEO of Mama Sauce, Nick Zambrato. I'm Andrew, your Master of Art and Design. I'm Patrick, your Master of Television and Film. And I'm Luke, your Master of Toys and Games. So fire up your letterpress, because it's time to make some memories. Is this a Klugenstein? episode we're excited to talk to somebody who created a company that you've probably heard of if you're in this industry um this is the guy who is the ceo and maker of the sauce over at mama sauce amateur baker gardener and cereal lurker ladies and gentlemen welcome nick sambrano to the show yeah. was, was i supposed to clap yeah, yeah, sure. I did. yeah. yeah no sound we bigger. love yeah, self-indulgence yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no! It, no, it was honestly you brought me there, Patrick. Your enthusiasm brought me to clapping. I was clapping for you. Aww, that was amazing. Man, th- that's the first that anyone's ever said that about him. It's a beautiful thing. Um, even at his gra- high school graduation, which because wasn't weren't you homeschooled? <laughs> I no, I did actually. I did actually go. I had a high school graduation. Uh, Let's yeah. move on. This is not about time me. Place. This is about hey, Nick. Yeah. Nick, why don't you tell? <laughs> Tell everybody who you are. Give us a quick Wikipedia page about yourself. Yeah, um, I'm Andrew Saleh, um, <laughs> otherwise known as Nick Sambrato. Um, I have a company uh, called Mama's Sauce, and we do uh, handmade printing, um, sometimes actually with machines that, that pick up the paper for us. We started doing it with our own hands, and now these letter presses have things that suck the paper in for us, which is awesome. But we do letter press, silk screen, um, we do hot foil. And um, we print things on paper, not on uh, much else but paper. And um, we do it with love because that's what Mama would do. See, okay, all right. So that answers the question right off the bat. Like, where does the name come from, Mama Sauce? Oh, um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's it just honestly was like a a thing that popped out in a moment amongst three guys um, uh, that were just having a good time. And had just happened to be an Italian Americans learning about printing, loving things with a kitchen with a bowl of ink in it, and the name just came out. Um, and so it didn't have any kind of meaning to it. But now I can confidently say, like you know, um, yeah, made with love, like mom would make it. You know, your home, fine ingredients, yeah. all of those things. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. a little bit of Italianism, yeah, a little bit of um, metaphor, and, and just all out silliness and excuse to hang meat in our windows. <laughs> I lo- so I love it because I, I think a lot of times um, when it comes to branding and stuff like that, we we can get hung up, myself included, in having like the perfect meaning for something the second that uh, you know you have an idea. It's like oh, we can't we can't launch something until we come up with the best name or the best whatever. Sometimes you come up with a great name and then the meaning finds itself later, and now they've they've paired together nicely. I think that's a uh, you know. 
that's a let that be a lesson to you youngsters out there. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. So okay, um, what, what? So other than having this bowl of ink sitting around a table, what drew you to this idea of um, of starting a uh, a print company? A, a handmade print company on paper, not like a promotions company where you make like uh, foam footballs and, you know, pens for corporate America. What drove you to do this thing that, you know, some people could say is uh, a dying art? Yeah, um, it was honestly doing the exact opposite that kind of brought me here, man. You know, that uh, I was doing digital printing before. And, you know, is maybe it's exciting now, you know, I don't know. But when I was doing it, uh, to begin with, it was just you click a button, a piece of paper comes out, you, you put it on the tabletop cutter, you trim it, you put it in a box and ship it off. And so it was really, um, I don't know, it just didn't, insp- it wasn't inspiring. It was just a thing that we did to service, you know, touring bands. And that was the cool part. We were giving cheap things to touring bands, but it was laser printing. And it's, oh man, right. laser, actually, laser printing sounds really cool. Um, <laughs> in concept, it would be real genius, but like with paper on the other side. We're printing yeah. with lasers. Yeah, exactly. But it's not as cool as that. There's no like, not lightsaber printing, not like lasers. It's, um, it's really humdrum, man. Um, and so I honestly... You know, I mentioned that moment you know, like uh, with a bowl of ink and, and three Italian guys, and one of them was a graphic designer. So no one in our story was a graphic designer right, really before that. We, um, I had a record label. I bought a digital print shop that was not Mama Sauce with lasers. <laughs> and, um, and it serviced touring bands, which are people I worked with. And then we met a designer who also serviced bands, but not in a, you know, like, Hey, let me get you the cheapest thing I can kind of way. But he was a garage printer, you know, and he was, um, doing graphic design and, um, and, and printing gig posters and shirts in his garage. And then when he was kind of going to do something else and his name's Austin Petito, by the way, he's not, uh, um, he's not the one who shall not be named. I'll go ahead and, and say his name, <laughs> um, Austin Petito, um, and then where I was like, oh, this seems like another thing we could sell to these bands, you know, um, whatever that is, making shirts and stuff. And then in the two weeks that he that he had of time to show us how to do it, he just you flat out fall in love. You don't flat out uh, fall, fall in love with a laser printer. I mean, um, maybe I don't know uh, objectifiles or whatnot, but um, you know, but this stuff, making things. The one for, I got one laugh there. <laughs> um, yeah. You're in a room mixing inks in the machines. It's just, I don't know, man. It, you fall in love with it. I mean, you've probably toured a print shop. You know, you've probably yeah. been in them. You, pro- you know, it's like yeah. real inks. And make, it's just, how could you not fall in love There's with it? There's something so about, I got, yeah. There's something about yeah, doing ahead. stuff with your hands and like actually, you know, not just setting a machine to just do it. That just feels different and, and better, whether, you know. So I, that's yeah, it, that's a feel I'm. It, yeah, it, <laughs> that is a feel with hands. Um, that is correct. That is when you use feel. your hands, it's a feel. <laughs> oh, I hate the fact that that's never well, going to make it so to the, the air. Thing, like, no Luke one's ever doesn't normally that. talk very much, and and he, he got excited for a moment. Like you made him excited for a second, so he started to talk, and then he panicked because he realized he had no idea what to say, and he just, <laughs> which is why he said, uh, and that's someone, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I love so it. So if much. it wasn't like if you didn't find that passion in in uh, letterpress or, or kind of going to this like more traditional form of printing, would you have moved on to something else, or or were you also kind of balancing that you did still have a love for printing? Like, for instance, would you have moved on and started, like, become a blacksmith and started, like, hammering out metal or something? Or you wanted to stay in that industry. You just wanted to find a, a section of that industry that got you excited again. No, you know, I wasn't searching for something to do with my hands. I wasn't searching for a way to get back in touch with, you know, the things my grandfather did or, you know, um, you know, even my father was a woodworker. You know, like, I wasn't searching for that. You know, I just bumped into it you know, and, um, making things with your hands. And I think we all have some experience in that, like whether it's, um, you know, arts and crafts in school or, or it becomes a hobby or whatever. And there's something we all have deep in us that that's been bred and, 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 deep. and once you, I don't know, once you get it, you, you just love it. So, so I don't think I, I don't think I would have went searching for it, but when you bump into it and it's in your path, yeah, you grab it. Yeah, exactly. So um, you said you were doing stuff, you were uh, giving stuff like bands and stuff like that. Did you play yourself? Are you a musician? Um, I'm I'm a, a noodler. I noodle a lot. Um, <laughs> so just... And, yeah, full on shred noodle. <laughs> um, and it's the worst, man. I am not a good player at all. I've been playing probably 20 years and it was one of those things where um, there was just never even a thought of, of being a musician um, the best I could hope for one day if I spend the next 30 years of my life with a voice instructor and a guitar instructor is to maybe sing Jimmy Buffett songs in a bar in my retirement. And that would be a dream come true. I think you can do that now. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we have our outro right there. That's a feel. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I'm just practicing right now. Sure. Um, yeah. So... I was without the talent. And again, when this thing's put in your way, a record label just came up. A friend of mine was doing it. He needed a strategic partner, somebody that would come in with some money. Um, I had a little bit of money because of that whole stupid real estate thing. And I have no idea how I got it. But in like 2006, people were just handing you money that had something to do with houses. So I had a little <laughs> bit of money and, um, and, you know, again, this was put in my path. Music, a guy was like, hey, I could use a partner in this band with, you know, in this record label that I'm going to launch around this band. And so it was put in my path. And I said, yeah, let's do that, man. And um, and it fulfilled that that thing, you know, that I would never get to do, which is, you know, be in music for a living because I'll never be good enough. I'm being honest. Well, I'll that's... never be good enough. Being music. <laughs> well, I don't feel that way. But no, um, I, so... I understand what you're saying. Like, it allows you to be still involved. I mean, it's yeah. like I, like for instance, I'm, I'm not a designer by any stretch. So, uh, I am not your target demographic, but at the same time, I love that through my web development that I get to support designers. I get to be a part of the community. Same thing through the podcast. This is my opportunity to like cheerlead the people that do the thing that I mm. think is like super cool and interesting. So, um, I'm not saying you set out to be a cheerleader, but I think I kind of understand of it's, it's your chance to, to contribute to something that you care about. Hey, can, and let me ask a question to to the uh, the designer here, um, Andrew. Like, yeah, I, like our company again. Like, you know, like just like you, uh, Patrick. You know, we we are not designers, or a lot of people at work in Mama Sauce are designers, but we don't 
offer design. They just have to be designers and right. they're, they're working in printmaking. But we're somehow part of the graphic design community, right? Um, even though we're not designers, right, right, we, right. thank you, you know, uh, for, for letting us be part of that. And so we, the same way we get to service them like, like you do, you're saying, Patrick. But, uh, Andrew, what, what is a designer, what community does a designer look at and be like, I want to be part of your world, like we feel about yours? Because listen to Patrick, listen to me, we're like, oh, we want to be part of designer yeah. what like what's what's higher uh, than what you do it's so cool yeah no i think uh we are pretty well self-involved uh we just look inside <laughs> it's ourselves. just a group of really selfish people um, you know i say that you know obviously joking but if i were to i don't think i could pinpoint a single thing because you can find design um, good design and bad design consequently, but good design literally anywhere in any product, in any organization or whatever, I think you're not going to find a single thing. You're going to find pockets of people who, who, um, who invest their time in, in various things. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. um, I think you hone in on, you, you hone in on a good design or your something that's either going to challenge you or fit what you're uh, fit a mold that you've already kind of uh, deemed as something that inspires you. And then you go after that. I don't think we're as, as uh, we're, we're pretty flexible when it comes to that. kind but of Yeah, same, I guess you're right. But at the same time, you're still like completing the design, like looking at some of these pieces you do. Um, in, and so I'm looking at primarily the letterpress stuff right now, but it's like, it would not be the same design sans what you bring to the table, right? It would be sans the stock or sans the press or sans the foil or whatever it is. It would not be the same thing that the person ultimately ends, uh, ends up holding. So you, you're very much so doing like the final 10% for the artist. You know, that's a really, really cool point. Um, and I, don't, I, I wouldn't even give us as much as 10%, but we are, we do view ourselves as collaborators and, um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, it happens, it happens, you know, almost every day, but it's not every design. I would say less than 10% or right around 10% of the designs that come to us come buttoned up with the designer saying, like really naming it, you know, this paper, this shade, I wanted this PMS and this process and and, you know, really just laying it out so buttoned up tight. The highest category where that comes in is honestly like um, wedding invitations. There's a lot mm-hmm. of very niche invitation stationers who are like, they send it and they know exactly what they want. And so they, skip, they, they chart really high on that. Once you get out of that category, it, we're in collaboration zone, baby. People come to us and they're like, what do you think? You know, and that's really exciting and fun. Yeah, and I think it's – I mean you've earned the trust of of people because you've been around now and, and you've worked with some very high-end clients and we'll get there. But there's a piece that I want to kind of focus on here for a second um, and it's right in the, in the realm of what we're talking about. The education part of it, the collaboration, the, the informing people of things um, I think is what brings credibility. You have a whole section on your website devoted to educating people on what these things are. Now it's a smart it's smart in a lot of ways because one you're educating the consumer and an educated consumer is a is a uh, a consumer who trusts you who is a lot more relaxed who knows the process so that's good from a business standpoint and then the other side of that it's an amazing business strategy because you're selling your services through this process as well 
you're you're educating people on the process, and then you're saying, "Hey, and he, we can actually do this for you," um, which is is super smart. So as you're as you're developing um, the business, so how long has Mama Sauce been around in the in this iteration? Uh, Mama Sauce will be ten years old in October. Nice. Oh man. Okay, so you're getting ready to hit a decade, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're hit, you're hitting double digits, right? So, at what point did you guys decide to adopt this business strategy or this business model of like over informing the and over educating the uh, the consumer? It started rearing its head um, like five years ago when we had a, a marketing manager. Um, I mean. At that time, especially titles didn't mean much. People did way more than whatever their title said. Sure. And sometimes they couldn't even do the thing sure. their title said. <laughs> but um, this guy Brooks Chambers, who is just amazing, amazing dude, um, he's out at I think he's at Twitch right now, um, and developing that kind of approach with him, and he really helped lead that charge and the idea and putting together what we. Um, what we kind of stand for and what our messaging is based around. And so we started working under this mantra. Um, yeah, it's been at least five years of, um, you know, inspiration plus education and collaboration, uh, equals perpetuity. And, um, and honestly, I used to always say instant inspiration plus education equals perpetuity for us. And Brooks really said, like no collaborations part. So you going back to that last point, he really introduced the idea and telling me like, re, like putting the value on the knowledge we had to me, which was really cool. But, um, so our website, like you see it, it, we, you know, we inspire people through our Instagram and, and inspire people to work with us. And then we educate them both <laughs> on the price points and then, um, in that design wise database. Um, so yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think we just really turned it up. Like when we launched this website, I think it was a year ago last last February, so a year and a half ago for this new site, just putting it all for up front and saying you have to, before you even, you can't even get to the get a quote button from us unless you go through inspiration and education, then you can hit, you know, you know what I mean? Like you literally like yeah. it, the call to action is buried kind of deep, which is really a weird thing for someone trying to sell you something. Yeah. My industry would complain right. about that, but I, I will say like the fact that you produce content because very few people, I mean, we're talking about, you know, some small percentage of a percent actually, uh, generate educational content where, whether it's blog posts or video posts or whatever. So when you do that, you establish, establish yourself as an expert just by way of producing the content, you establish yourself as an expert. And therefore when people want somebody that they're going to reach out to the expert. So it, it makes total sense. And it's, it's honestly something more people should look to do. They should, I think sometimes there's this misconception that if you have a good thing, you should hold it tight and not tell anybody about it. Or mm-hmm. like if, you know, if, if it's shrouded in mystery, like if the consumer doesn't know, then they have to rely on you. Um, and I just don't think that's the case anymore. I, I think if the consumer feels like uh, that you're investing in them and educating them and that you know what you're talking about, then in that case, they're mm-hmm. going to trust you to do the work. So um, I love that idea. You said the word perpetuity. This is now twice. So you said it once just now. You said it again before we started recording. It seems like it's probably a word that that stays on your mind a lot or something that's like uh, something you come back to. What does that mean for you in relation to mama sauce? And then how do you drive towards that? Oh man. Um, 
So keeping our brand integrity in shape and, and locked in while making money and being viable and sustainable, right, um, is proving to be really, really challenging when you realize at the end of the day we are both a manufacturer, which is a very capital-hungry type of company to, to run. It requires capital right. to keep our doors open. You know, whether job, someone sends us a job or not, like, you know, we need, you, you know, we, we got to have money. And then when they send us a job, there's a lot of costs in that job. So to run the business is expensive. So that's a particular challenge. And manufacturing is changing in such a way um, in that you have on-demand style manufacturing, digital printmaking, all kinds of different things that are working more towards clicking on a button to make something happen. So that's another challenge. Um, so we're moving forward, carrying this band, uh, this you know, this brand banner saying that like we make things in this certain way. When um, eventually, you know, the facsimile of what we do will be figured out by the robots. No problem. And um, and so the experience is. Uh, what we have to, you know, ultimately provide and, um, and the story, like the content you're talking about, um, we have to provide. But at the end of the day, um, perpetuity means figuring out what is, how do we evolve our brand and our message and who we are, right? Are people starting to see us more, um, more as just quality printmaking than they are as letterpress foil and offset or, and, and, and screen print. And I, I actually had that slip because I was about to say people will still, no matter how much education and inspiration we put in front of them and how deep we bury the call to action behind the layers of that, somebody will every day, every day, multiple times a day, will still find their way through all these things meant to, you know, get you to the point where you understand how to work with us and what we do. They'll still navigate through all that and then say, print this photo for me. Right, this full color four over four, sure, yep. and then you start to realize like what they really want. They want the sauce, baby, you know, and yeah. um, <laughs> and so you start to get muddled into like, well, what is our brand? What is our brand promise, and what do CSS? And how big is the market cap that can ultimately possibly sustain us versus the one that we're living and dying by every day right now and struggling to do so. Um, and so, you know, you start to think about other processes, you know, um, and then you see the movements of, of things um, going towards products, going towards, you know, um, well, I mean, and, and things like services where not manufactured. So, yeah, um, I'm always thinking about what we can do to leverage our brand that is a step in the positive direction for perpetuity for us that also doesn't alienate our audience and sure. say, you know, we're not going to pivot, man, you know, but like, we're going to, we got to do something, you know? We, um, and that's the way I think I'll always feel. And it's what I love and what I absolutely hate about running a business at the same time. So let's, so let's talk about, let's talk about your, your clients. Um, some of the people that you've worked with before and you talk about storytelling and, um, these are the people who are telling the story and you're kind of, you, you are, you're helping that story come to, to life. Essentially you're giving it legs. Um, so you've got, uh, quite a, 
quite a uh, impressive list, at least just at a glance. Even uh, Tim Anderson, you've got Clark Orr. Uh, I believe I saw a uh, a little something from Mr. Aaron Draplin um, in there. DDC. Um, you've also got DKNG and uh, Dave Quiggle. I mean, just to name a few of the people who we you know appreciate. Um, what's it like for you to to get something in your hands from let's say uh, let's say DKNG? Um, who have worked with some amazing clients themselves and have worked with some amazing uh, products and brands themselves. What's it, what's it like to, to know that you're taking that and they're kind of handing you um, these high-end uh, designs, this high-end business, and they're saying, okay, we're entrusting this to you now. You are going to ultimately be the presenter of this this idea that we have. What is it? What is it like for you as a business owner to to take that uh, take these designers' um, ideas and and make them happen? I'm so glad that you use DKNG as your example because as you're listing the clients, um, is and you said DKNG is like, oh, I got to be very, I got to follow up on this because I want to be really respectful of their print their printer. Because DKNG, we've done a project with as a collaboration with Adobe, which again, I think this is right in line with what you're saying because it's a whole other level. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have sure. their own, they have a guy they work with that's not us that produces all of their stuff. And it is amazing. And yeah. um, the printmaking is amazing. And there are so many great printmakers in this country. Um, and we're, I don't know. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. pretend that we work with only, we're the only people that work with great um, designers, but, um, so anyways, I just wanted to make sure people knew, uh, uh, you know, that like DKNG, like we don't print all their stuff. We did this cool project. So right. anyways, this cool project right. is, um, really, really awesome. Um, and it's an example you're saying, like all of a sudden, um, you know, Adobe's having us curate, um, a designer from their conference to produce, you know, a, a experiential event poster for Adobe Max. And, and I think to me, that's like almost like a peak of what you're saying. Like, what's it like to work with amazing people? It's like, Oh my gosh. Like I don't, I'm not qualified to, to, to pick out who's the best designer to work, you know, to work with. Um, cause I'm not a designer, but so, but at the end of the day, like, geez, we, you know, we couldn't have gone wrong with DKNG, but I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of what they do. And so for me, I'm a huge fan of all of these people you named. Like, and, and you named a lot of people in an aesthetic realm that as not a non-designer until I actually found designer friends, I realized what my aesthetic, you know, what I've always loved and was drawn to is like, dude, it's a lot like yours, Andrew, man. Like the stuff you listed, like 80s nostalgia and toys and and all of that. Like I'm way into that stuff. So for me, it's like fanboy stuff. I geek out on it. I, you know, it's like, um, yeah. I don't even have to forget anything cause I'm nothing in, in the graphic design world. So I get to be a fan. So it's, um, it's really, really cool. And it's, it gets levels of cool levels deeper of cooler too, because I'm like, I'm a, lur- uh, you said in your intro, I'm a lurker. Right. I'm a long time <laughs> lurker, man. And so I'm not in the conversation so much and I don't produce the art and and I may not even like really roll deep um, on, you know, like I might sell my garbage pail cake collection. Let's be honest. I might do that. Um, uh, so I'm not as legit as Tim Stiles, who runs our screen print press. And he is such a fan of all these things and all these people we're talking about, too. And, and not just fans of the designers, but we're fans of the same things. So to see our 
like to work our company to work with these people is amazing but to have a company that gives an opportunity for people like Tim um, who are such a fan to work on things that like are going to go out not just into the ether but into these zones where they'll bounce around with other fans of design and other right. fans of that level of nostalgia I couldn't be a more proud mama when that kind of stuff happens, man. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know if that answers your question direct, <laughs> indirectly or directly. Yeah, but no. I don't know. It's just really neat. I love it. So here, here's my just my follow up to that. You get excited about it. You get excited to work with people. You, you are not. You've been doing this for ten years. It, it is easy for people who have less tenure uh, in this industry to get to just get a little jaded and to be a little. Uh, entitled and and it's it's really refreshing from this vantage point to see that you've not gotten there for you it's like you, you know you you did the whole i'm not you know a, who am i to to pick these people you know adobe is entrusting adobe right it's adobe and they're entrusting you the the opportunity to pick and and then collaborate and and produce and you go with dk and g like and that geeks you out and you get excited about that kind of stuff um that's really refreshing from this seat because uh man you could you could easily at this point in the game just be like yeah it's old hat you know and uh and you're not so i'm you know i from from my perspective i'm really really uh, happy to hear that oh thanks so thanks man so so um so Patrick mentioned, you know, he asked about perpetuity before. I mean, it's because that's all, and you I said it's always on my, it seems like it's always on mind. I'm stoked on this stuff because that's always on my mind. Perpetuity, relevance, it makes you so grateful when you wake up in the morning and like, and when you're in an industry where your back feels like you're against the wall, maybe you feel like your back's against the wall because the whole world is like, you know, the back, your back should be against the wall. You're imprinting, you know, mm-hmm. like even, um, um, uh, some, this name shall not be mentioned, but some dude, a politician the other day, it's like mentioned like these industries that were tanking and he mentioned paper in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, um, and I was just like, oh man, that's like, you know, a, that's the politician talking about our industry as like a signifier. It's going down when that level of discourse is out there, man, you're grateful every day when anybody sends you a job. Sure. Students, I get so stoked on students sending us work. You know, um, as stoked as Aaron Draplin, because yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes it takes all of us, and it's amazing that um, new young people in this game are thinking about doing printmaking. Yeah, not just with us, but in general, that satiates and that scratches that little perpetuity devil in my ear, going like, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, like yeah. this might outlive <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or you know, this thing might not out like this business might not live in this industry, and you're like, no, nah, man, f you, little dude, you know, yeah. like it's so you great, you get real grateful real quick. Yeah, and and if you don't stay there, of course you'll get jaded. Sure, if you're not grateful for every everything that comes your way, man. So so take us it. into before we got actually started, we talked a little bit about what is the other things you kind of are dipping into. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the other part that's not printing for mama sauce and what kind of you're doing. Yeah, man, this, this might be my, um, I don't know. What is that? That tragic, you know, your tragic flaw, you know, where you're like, um, my tragic flaw is like, I will, I know so, so, so well, don't start anything new. Don't 
stretch yourself until you've seen whatever it is that you're currently involved in as far and take it as far <clears> as you can. Don't try to leverage that. Right. Um, but again, there's this little thing being like, man, you got to evolve, you got to change. So I'm constantly trying to do new things, you know? Um, but the core of our message, and you notice like, we don't really deviate from our, from our feed. Our feed is consistent. You know what you're going to get. And when we try something new, we put it out there and then we go right back. I'm not going to double post an event or like, you know, like, so the, a lot of this stuff that we're trying to get into it, it feels really small because it is really small because we're trying not to stretch ourselves too hard. But um, but we're out there trying, and I'd say we're in the sandbox of a few things and down the road on some others, all in the idea of trying to um, leverage our brand to, to you know to create more opportunity for the people in our company to to create a more sustainable you know environment that still carries this brand in a new way. So we just had a gallery show um, that ran for a month. That was called client work. Nice. That is all. That was a selection of like 150 posters from our 10 year history. Um, that was a beast to try to stretch and do when we're st- still trying to take the current thing we're doing as far as we can take sure. it. Right? Like, how can we be the best printer we possibly can be? But no, let's do this gallery show and talk to a couple hundred artists and then manage all the shipment and get it in and hang a show and have an opening. And, um, but that's kind of stuff's exciting, man. And people go, people in the company went the extra mile to see it happen. And, um, and now here we are, um, we exposed 150 of our artists to these people in, in a gallery space who otherwise wouldn't be in tune with this graphical, you know, uh, this, this graphical world that we live in that typically only gets in front of a lot of people's eyes when, you know, uh, to mass audiences eyes and, you know, and, I don't know, uh, with names attached to it in a way where it just never gets out there like, like this, um, like yeah. it should, like it should, you know, like eventually somebody's great work, like Chris DeLorenzo, I don't know if you guys know that guy, yeah. but yeah, absolutely. Man, he's, he's yeah. doing illustrations that are, you know, going into major publications mm-hmm. and, um, and that's amazing that he's doing his thing and it's getting out there and you're like, it's getting out there. This you know, the people in our community are way out there and it's awesome. And and not in a way where it's like, um, somebody knocked off their work and reproduced it or not in a way where someone's like, I, I just licensed their, their, that thing. And I did anything I wanted to it, yeah. you know, and put it on all these things, which I mean, the, all these things have a place. The universe is great, big and wonderful room for everything. But, um, but to do a show and follow that course, I believe in. It's like, man, we let's expose the rising tide, tide raises all ships. Let's go out and do something that makes no sense for us commercially um, to do this gallery show and be in the space where we. I mean, we sold a lot of art because, and it was, we sold our clients' art, and the gallery got the money. And then as soon as the gallery gives us the, the other share, the clients, you know, are the artists, not our the artists, get the money yeah, yeah. on that thing, right? And um, and I went in there after the opening was amazing and it was awesome and fun. And I went in there, um, during the day, I happened to be by the gallery and I popped in and there was just a guy standing in there just looking and you're just engulfed in all this spot color work of all these beautiful aesthetics. And, um, and he looks over at me and when I walk in, he goes, this is awesome. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh man, you know, and you look at the size of him, like, that's not a designer, dude, you know? But he's just wrapped and engulfed in all this design and print, and it was super cool. 
So, um, so that gallery show was like a sandbox thing to test, like what's the viability out there? Will the greater market really embrace this in a way where it's not just where we're going? Let's just curate this little snippet, this style that Chris DeLorenzo does, and we'll put it in this magazine because it makes sense, you know? No, what if we, you know, and that's amazing, but what if you set that dude loose, man? What if you just let him produce work and we just put it out and put it in front of everybody? Will people buy it? And people bought it. Yep. And so we're working on a, yep. a brand, um, and this is a thing that goes way back that we've been meaning to get to a long time, um, that we'll be launching that is just this. It's just us representing artists and their print, printed goods in a way where we take it on tour with us because we go around, we get to shows, and we yep. do speaking and other stuff, um, yep. where we have a web store that we're spending money pushing it and advertising it to the greater market for people to get designed in their hands that's just not in our little echo chamber, which is awesome. We could service each other all day, but let's go out and bring this design to the rest of the world, and, um, and then who knows where else it goes from there. So we're working on that. Um, we got some proprietary software that we may eventually release to help make other printmakers, um, you know, uh, be able to scale and leverage this, this thing that is manufacturing and antiquated machines. And, um, I don't know. We just got a lot of exciting things on the horizon of doing a lot of experiential yeah, stuff and in, in events and live printing. It's, it's, Sweet. it takes a lot to keep, keep man. this going, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly you guys, uh, you guys do get around too. I know you guys are going to be at Adobe Max. You were at Creative South. We saw you, and you're, you've got like another gig um, in between there, right? Um, mm-hmm. it's, you have a whole events section on your website, so you can, if if you're interested in connecting with these guys, um, you can you can figure out where they're at and, and join them there. But so we're going to shift to final questions, um, and I'll I'll kick us off. Um, you are based in Orlando. And uh, today, so I'm going to ask a really specific question about a really specific project. Um, today actually marks the one-year anniversary on record date, um, the one-year anniversary of the Pulse uh, tragedy. And you partnered up with our buddy Clark Orr on this project for um, Orlando. It was the City Beautiful project. I want to know about that. I want to know about um, – take us through the the idea – um, take us through the collaboration and then ultimately what, um, what you guys did with the, the proceeds of all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So when that happened, like I was, you know, I, it's one of those things where you wake up and you, you, you remember that feeling, you know, um, you, your city gets attacked and your community gets attacked and, and a place that honestly, like it's no joke. I mean, that, that was a landmark, you know? Um, and yeah. Yeah, you instantly want to do something. And Clark came to us with an idea. Uh, we went to a few other people with some other ideas. And we all just said, okay, whatever we got to do, let's do this. You know, um, uh, I, I, I rang up Brian French at French Paper and said, we have a couple collaborations going with Hillary Powers, with Clark Orr, a few other people. Um, we want to raise as much money as we possibly can every, you know, every dollar to go to uh, the victim relief. It was called the One Fund then. I don't know if the names changed, but it basically all trafficked through this place called The Center, Orlando. Um, um, yeah. Which honestly, I mean, I was hearing interviews with Terry, the, uh, the director today, like on NPR all day. And, and, um, and, then, we, and then eventually Adobe, we did, um, we produced this, uh, this series through 
um, our, our sister company, our parent company, Fiction, um, for Adobe called um, Creative Matchup. And they did a benefit episode of that where two designers go head to head for a prize and, and, you know, and these two designer teams, um, publicists and OMFGCO, uh, OMFGCO, um, you know, competed to donate designs to the center for the, for communication needs that they had, the center Orlando. Mm -hmm. And so between that Clark thing and uh, Hillary's thing, and then having like uh, Hillary powers print as well, um, uh, and then benefiting with the, the Adobe project. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars were raised um, through the design community. And we saw orders, these posters that we sold with Clark, um, go all over, all over. from And a lot of familiar names yeah. and non-familiar non, non names. We sold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And um, and it was just amazing that, um, the, like, French was like, anything you need, we're there, right? Um, the design community you know, um, donated time. It was just, I don't know. It was amazing to, to be part of that. And so, you know, a lot of, um, it was a, a great part of feeling a sense of unity in a city that, that, um, that frankly has a brand, uh, you know, has a brand about it that's different than we feel than the actual brand is, or we only, you know, only half oh, of the yeah. stories out there. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And so that tragedy, was a really just it it is you can't say it was bittersweet you could say it was really bitter um but in a lot of ways it feels amazing as a you know to see that this community rose to such a way and re and enforced its brand in a different way mm -hmm. and rose with sure. such positivity yeah. so it was a, it was really cool to be part of that from a designer's perspective you know, from the design community and print community's perspective. And, um, and frankly, we have, have close friends, you know, that really, really are grieving yep. over this really hard. And, and, yep. and just to, in our own way to say, like, you know, we're here to, you know, we got you just like they got you and they got you. They got so many people stood up. It was a really terrible moment, but a special moment for the world to say, like, no, man, you know, this, this junk will not stand. You know, yeah. I'll censor myself. There. Yeah, you you guys yeah. rallied, rallied, man, and th that's awesome. Yeah, yeah cool. I went to school in Orlando. I lived my whole my whole first twenty five years of life, twenty six years of life in the Tampa Orlando area. So um, when that happened, I obviously got on the phone with several of my friends who currently still live there, and several I got a, I have a couple of my friends who literally lived um, right across the street in the apartments across the street. And it was just seeing it from a different perspective and then being able to look at how, how well the design community specifically, I'll just say that. I mean, the, the community at large, but the design community specifically, how they picked up this, this torch and really um, band together was, was a proud moment for anybody who has ever called Florida or central Florida. home. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, it was cool to see that you partnered up with, with Clark because, like I said, we, we're huge fans of Clark. And uh, the work that he did for that was just beautiful. And it was He's beautiful. a gem, isn't he, man? For sure. <laughs> Real deal. If you guys don't know Clark Orr, I mean, everyone listening to this got to know Clark Orr. If you don't, Clark O-R-R, -R, man, he is just he's somewhere me, sound like. Yeah, he's somewhere back in our archive. Do you all remember what episode we talked to him on? Gosh, it was a – it was yeah, a for the show ago, notes. It was it – was, it's been a little over a year because I think we talked to him right after Creative yeah, South. Actually, because that's where we connected. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, cool. Well, um, gosh, I hate following up this question because that's such a like deep, serious topic. And but sorry, I'll ask that again. Yeah, exactly. We just need to cut this together <laughs> that way. Then, like, that's at the end because now, how, how do you transition that? I, I do love the fact that you have like one really awful person and it's combated by just thousands of really great people and it's just it's it's awesome to see so um i thought you had already transitioned so uh when you like uh, and you're like it's really like <laughs> you have one awful person i was like who what, who are you talking about right now I thought you were- <laughs> i'm the only one sitting here <laughs> clark are you talking about clark now you have one awful part person clark Moore. and then he does um, something so great <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm curious, I, I was actually, uh, I'm a bit curious about process. We didn't talk a ton about what actually goes into the work that you do. I mean, we, we talked about the fact that it's, um, or at least my understanding is that, is that we're dealing with, I want to almost say more primitive methods of printing, but mm-hmm. where it's a bit of like, you made the comment about, you know, your father, or your grandfather's style. It's a, it's a bit of the old way. And, uh, I've seen some of the machinery, like you have some, uh, really awesome videos on the site that like show some of the machines in use. So working with this equipment, I'm curious if you just have like, um, either a, a, a favorite machine that you use, or if you have like a, a favorite technique that you get to use when you're printing mm. that like mm. people may be fam- unfamiliar with. Yeah, man. Um, oh, well, I don't know how familiar people are. With, I, I, I would, I was just going to talk about letterpress, but I could tell, talk about specifically about a machine. Now, to be fair, I don't. Um, I really only get to print when we live print now because um, they got me doing too many other stupid things that just aren't printing um, business things, which like running the business. Yeah, right? and and I mean, on, <laughs> but, but but honestly, like the people who print are like. Man, they are wielding the coolest machines, the coolest machines, and they are just the coolest people because they are um, they're they're in harmony with these things, working things that aren't as simple as, as clicking a button. So, um, yeah, my favorite machine aesthetically is a Kluge letterpress. The aesthetics of it, I'll just never forget it. Um, the first time seeing one, it is. Um, a, so our friend Chris wrote some copy for the first video we put out that ended up going air quotes viral, right? And it was a video of our first letterpress job and it was on a Kluge. And it, I'm confident, you know, um, that such a major part of that video getting out there and spreading its wings was just how beautiful this machine was. And the copy that he wrote was, you know, um, uh, you know, I'll paraphrase it because I don't remember, but you know, a, like a whirling, you know, dervish of, I don't think he said dervish, but of vacillating rods, you know? Um, and, and it was, and and the way he described it was just so dead on. It's, it's when, when Austin, that night I told you where mama sauce name just was birth. Austin told me about a letterpress that night. Right. Mm -hmm. And he described it. And this was in an era where you didn't look something up on your trio, you know, (laughs) like just Google things on your, on your flip phone or any of that stuff. Um, so I had to imagine it. And, and it sound, when I first saw the machine and I said, what is that? And someone said a letterpress and it happened to be a Kluge. I just said, of course it is. Cause it was that, va- it was these vacillating rods that were evoked from the way that Austin Petito had described it to me. So, uh, I'll always, always have a soft spot for a Kluge, um, a letterpress. Uh, and it's my least favorite machine, um, to print on, you know, as far as the print, you know, 
printmaking. Uh, a Heidelberg windmill is the quality is terrible, <laughs> but I love the look of the. No, he can do good work. He can do good work. He can do. But I'm, I'm a, f- a far greater fan of the 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 Heidelberg windmill as an op from an operator standpoint. But um, but aesthetically, the Kluge is completely transparent, and you see every bit of it working, all of it working. That's awesome. It's amazing. Uh, okay, so I'll do my final question, so we'll get this thing wrapped up. Uh, I'm going to take a completely different direction. So you're a, you're a noodler on the on an instrument. If you were going to be in a band, what would that band be? Sweaty Uncles. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, that was yeah. That was actually I was the sweaty uncle this weekend when I was. Um, <laughs> Me and my nephew were were scraping my dad's pigeon coop in the South Florida summer heat. I was Ooh. the sweaty uncle. Nice. Um, is that oh, a, what a random were, statement that is? You were more than the sweaty uncle. Um, what a random phrase um, or story. So is it a fictitious band or a real band? Yeah, like what style, I guess, is what I was getting at. Like if you could be oh. in any kind of band, what would that band be? Oh, I, but I also want to addendum yeah, that or a real and say band. what would you name the band? <laughs> yeah, who's or in a it? Real... No, no, no. I want to. I want to know the name of it. Whatever you land on, I want to know the name. Um, okay, let's name a band real quick. Um, I'm going to call it Bear Manilow. B-E-A-R. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Naturally. Take it, take it however you should. Picture the album art of that. If oh, any of you guys want to sign up to do that. Andrew, wink, wink. Um, do you know a guy who can print it for us? <laughs> only if you do it in a very specific way. <laughs> Follow the instructions. Um... Yeah, and like, dude, I would, I would love. My first thought when you said that, my my instant was like, oh man, I want to play drums in Rage Against the Machine. Okay, um, nice. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, uh, or guitar in Rage Against the Machines. Yeah, I'm not good enough to do either. Okay, did I say machines plural? You know what? There's a lot of them out there now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rage Against all the machines. All the machines. But so if that was the band I was playing in, I would I would uh, would I would play drums and rage against the machine. That would be a dream. Yeah. Um, if I was making a band, um, it would be Bear Manilow, and we would be a reggae band. Nice, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I can. Yeah, naturally, uh, rage against the machine, uh, reggae. Get it? Yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah, I see where I see where that comes from. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, so tell everybody where they can find what you do, um, where they can support what you do, and more, maybe more importantly for some of the people who are out there who don't necessarily care about supporting you, but more supporting themselves, um, they you can use you as a service, right? So if you don't even care about Nick at all, and you don't care whether or not he eats tomorrow, don't worry about that. He can print some amazing stuff for you to sell to make money for yourself, right? So for all you selfish people, there's something for you. For all you compassionate people, there's something for you. Tell them where they can find you and, uh, and, and be a part sure. of it. Sure, and if you're, if you're selling stuff for yourself that requires a package like to wrap around it or hang on, we can do that for you too. Yep. And you can find all of these things, inspiration, education, and a way to get in touch with us at Mama's dash sauce.com and um that's m-a-m-a-s hyphen s-a-u-c-e dot com or at mama sauce on the instagrams um or on any of the social media stuff um yeah that, that's where you can find us there's really nothing to see about nick sambrato um if you want to see pictures of bread and um of, of bread i bake in my garden you can go look at my instagram but honestly like <laughs> this <laughs> i would highly suggest following mama sauce instead 
I'm picturing you baking bread in your garden. <laughs> like you're out there in the garden and they're like, what is he doing? Uh, it's just Nick being Nick again. Are, did you, are you reading Old my journal? Have you seen the sketches of the, uh, <laughs> of the oven I'm going to build out <laughs> The there? outdoor sun oven? <clears throat> I'm, yeah, the sun oven. All right. So, um, so go check all that stuff out. You're going to want to give them a follow 100%. Um, just, you're such a rad dude. Patrick said something off air, I think, right before we started about you, uh, you being the closest that we'll ever get to interviewing Owen Wilson. And uh, at first, I didn't get it. I get it now. Like, you're so chill. It's so, it's, I mean, if I were to close my eyes, it would be rude. But if I were to close my eyes and listen, I'd be like, oh, yeah, we could be talking to Owen Wilson right now. Um, but since uh, you're so chill and cool, I'm going to assume that you're going you're gonna to draw tokens for us. Would that be a fair assumption? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. All right. Well, then that's it for the interview portion. Up next, Nick's going to draw some tokens. <laughs> Are you looking to build your audience with a podcast? Then check out the folks at Cast Pro. Cast Pro is an experienced group of podcasters, developers, editors, and designers that want to remove any barriers that stand in the way of you creating your best content. No matter what your level of experience, they have the tools to come alongside you and elevate your message. With plans for the hobbyist to the professional, they've got you covered. Find out more at castpro.io. That's C-A-S-T-P-R-O dot I-O. Cast Pro. Focus on your message. They'll take care of everything else. Every week we draw tokens to figure out exactly the categories we're going to talk about next week, and then we pick our topics based on those randomly drawn tokens. Now you're up to speed. Um, let's draw some tokens. I'm going to shuffle these up. I have three very physical, tangible tokens in my hand. Um, give me a number between one and three, and you'll be picking for Luke. Three. You got TV and film, Luke. Nice. Congratulations. All right, you got between one and two, and you'll be picking for me. Patrick gets the leftovers today. Beep, boop, beep, two. Toys and games, that means Patrick has art oh, and thanks. design. You did it. Congratulations, everybody. You did it. Um, you can find us on mf1podcast.com, or you can find show notes and links to all the stuff we just talked about in there, including all of Nick's links and all the goodness in there. Um, you can find us on there. And once you do that, go over to iTunes and Stitcher and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That way you never miss an episode, two episodes every single week. Um, one is a master category episode, and the other is an interview just like this. You can go to mf1podcast.com slash archive to hear tons of other Amazing interviews, uh, including that of uh, Clark Orr and DKNG and Chris Aaron Draplin, um and Chris DeLorenzo. And um, we actually have Tim Anderson, who we talked about in this episode, who's going to be joining us here in the next few weeks. So subscribe now to not miss those episodes. And then when you do that, uh, rate and review. Why is that, Patrick? Because it helps us, and we will read whatever you write on the air. Basically like a Ron yep. Burgundy situation. Uh, just picture that. Yeah, if you put a question mark, we will read the question will mark, we? I promise. Um, and then uh, after you do that, head over to the social medias. Just search of one Podcast on all the different platforms. We're there. We want to talk to you. Join our Slack channel, which is a community of almost 200 artists, creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers, doers, amazing people day in and day out talking about the things you care about. You should be there with us. Go to mf1podcast.com slash slack to join that community now. I think we're going to get out of here for now. Um, I said all the things, right? Yeah, that's close. Cool. Sounds sounds great. Uh, So for now, we're going to get out of here. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. I'm Luke. I'm Nick. Peace out. Bye. Hold on to your butts. Luke's a feel.
Welcome to this extended. Nope. Extended. Extended. <laughs> Was it because you were thinking about my penis? You got, did you guys get it out? Did you guys get it all out? Did you get it out? No, Good. obviously Good. not. Welcome to this sandbox episode of the Master of One podcast, part two for this week. This week, we talked to veteran printer and CEO of Mama Sauce, Nick Sambaratangodo. (laughs) (laughs) I was really impressed. You just pushed through. Yeah, because they can edit us out from talking. Yeah. That's true. All you have to do is just cut you out. Yeah. Welcome to this sandbox episode of the Master of One podcast, part two for this week. This week we talked to veteran printer and CEO of Mama Sauce, Nick Sambrato. I'm Andrew, your master of art and design. I'm Patrick, master of television and film. I'm Luke, I'm here. So fire up your letterpress, because it's time to make some memories. What? When? When?